It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's up and what's happening, Reds fans? Thanks for downloading and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your bench jackie with a beer, your cheap seat crony, and your second-hand expert. My name is Jeff Carr. I thank you again for downloading and listening. This Monday, we've got some information for you. Nothing crazy yet. Uh, The Reds have not made that big splash move we're all waiting on, but they did avoid arbitration with some key players. I'll get to a little bit of that. And I also want to take a look at the arbitration process just kind of as an informational point of view of it, Um, something that I was curious about and I figured would pique your interest as well this Monday. But first, just want to remind you, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And check us out on the website, LockedOnReds.com. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. I kind of mentioned talking about arbitration as a process. It's one of those things that you just, when it comes to baseball, all players go through them. And usually it's the younger guys who have gotten their feet wet in the major leagues. Something that they have to do each and every January and February right before pitchers and catchers report. Now, when it comes to the arbitration process, we're talking about players who have played for at least three years in the major leagues and then up until their sixth year in the majors with their team. Now, whether that's you know the team that drafted them or in guys like Alex Wood and Yasiel Puig's case, players who they just got traded to their team, they have to do arbitration with that new team. Now, the Reds did avoid arbitration with Yasiel Puig, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Alex Wood will be going through the process. And, you know, kind of a little bit cut and dry with arbitration. It starts in February, so we won't really know the outcome of that until then. But with arbitration, and it's always something, I mean, maybe you guys, you know, sometimes my brain is a small one, and it doesn't quite work in the way that um, most people would have common sense to think about. But when I thought about arbitration, I always thought, you know, the, if a player takes a team to arbitration or vice versa, if a, pl- if a team takes a player to arbitration, then they look at the body of work that the player has presented and they say, okay, the player wins, he can have whatever he wants. Or the team wins and they can do whatever they want. And 
it doesn't work that way. It's not like something where the team wins and all of a sudden they can pay him 25 cents on the dollar. And then again, it's not like if the player wins, he can officially sign the first $500 million contract. The way that it works, and I was looking at this a little bit, so, you know, uh, if this is boring stuff, whatevs, it's something that interested me. When it comes to arbitration, like I said, it's a player who has played in the major leagues from between his third and sixth season. Um, and then the team, what happens is before they go into an arbitration hearing, the team and the player come up with a figure, with a salary figure for the upcoming season that they believe that the player is worth. Now, these have to be reasonable figures. The team can't come up and say he's worth $20, and the player can't come up and say, I deserve to make $100 million this year. They have to um, understand their body of work and say, okay, this is what I believe this is worth. It's it's close. Because I heard when it comes to Alex Wood, whenever he goes into arbitration, the Reds are really looking at two numbers, either 8.4 million, it's either 8.4, 8.7, or 9.6, 9.8 million, which really in all... You know, considering all factors here, that's not that big of a difference. I mean, either or, that's not going to cripple their budget for the year. So that's kind of nice to know that. So even if the Reds, you know, quote-unquote lose arbitration, they're not really getting saddled with some crazy high contract here. But it made me wonder. It's like, so how does this all work? So like I said, they look at the factors and they put together a reasonable number for what they see. And what happens is the panel, the arbitration panel, takes these numbers and then, you know, takes each case. The team presents its case and the player presents his case about whether they should win the um, arbitration hearing. And then the panel decides which figure that the team gives or the player gives, which is most closely resembling the performance that the player had. Now, when I speak of performance, the, the arbitration panel doesn't go all super new age with the sabermetrics and gets into wins above replacement. That's part of it. They look at statistics, but they also look at other factors. And, and some of the things that kind of jumped out to me was that they look at factors like they can talk about the contribution of the player to the team during the past season, you know, the on-field performance and other qualities such as leadership and fan appeal, which that sounds really subjective, but it is something that they consider in the arbitration process. It also talks about the length and consistency of the player's career contributions and the player's past compensation. Um, also looking at existence of any sort of uh, mental or physical defects, you know, mostly, you know, injuries, stuff like that. And the team's recent performance is even included in this whole arbitration hearing. So we're talking about a lot more than just statistics, a lot more next level stuff that determines the player's next value. So it's just something that I was uh, a little bit interested in looking at and just something I thought would be interesting to present here on this Monday podcast. And, you know, whenever it comes to the arbitration hearing of Alex Wood, that's not saying that Alex Wood came to Cincinnati and immediately thought, hey, I'm going to just fleece these guys. They need all the pitching help they can get. They're going to pay me whatever they're going to pay me, and I'm just going to make so much money off this. No, he has to come up with a reasonable figure that best represents his last season and his, you know, his last couple of seasons with the Dodgers and even looking at back, you know, time with the Braves and all that different stuff. 
So while words like hearing and arbitration and all that sort of thing kind of lends itself to almost like the player is suing the team for more money, it's not that case at all. It's just a case of fair compensation that was put in place a while back so that players were protected from greedy owners. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about that kind of to start today's podcast. I'm going to take a quick break here for a few ads. After the ad break, we're going to look at some of the players that the Reds avoided arbitration with, but don't go away. The Lockdown Reds podcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Monday episode. We're talking about a couple of players that the Reds reached a deal with to avoid arbitration. In the first half, I kind of went over some of the interesting things about the arbitration process. Some of the things that kind of caught my eye as I was curious to learn more about it and figured that you might enjoy hearing a little bit of it too. But when I talk about the arbitration process and all that good stuff, um, the Reds like to do what they call a file and trial approach to it. And what that means is they exchange figure date is a hard deadline. And if the deal isn't reached, if they don't you know, come to an agreement with the player, the club will no longer negotiate for a one-year deal. So it's like the club comes up with a number. If the player says no, then okay, that's cool. We're going to arbitration. But, you know, as Dick Williams had said in a quote, um, this is coming from a story on MajorLeagueBaseball.com for the Reds website, Reds.com. Um, he said, quote, Nick and the rest of our team did a very good job juggling eight simultaneous discussions. These are difficult negotiations with a lot at stake, and not just for the two parties directly involved. We are pleased to have settled seven of the eight cases and look forward to resolving the other one amicably through the arbitration process. He's speaking of, you know, Nick Crawl handling those negotiations, and he's right. I mean, think about, you know, trying to juggle eight things at once. He's trying to negotiate with eight different players on eight different sets of facts and you know he's got eight different figures that the reds know that they want and making sure that the player understands where the reds are coming from and they were able to come to an agreement with seven of eight of those players now those seven are scooter Jeanette, jose peraza yasiel puig tanner rourke anthony disclafani and michael lorenzen and also Kurt Casale, just realized I only said six names there. So those were the seven guys that they avoided arbitration with. And, in you know, the big picture thing is they've got monies attached to them. Each one has a different number. Um, some of the things that kind of stand out to you is, you know, you see that Anthony DiSclefani is making $2.125 million. I feel like we as Reds fans really value DiSclefani's body of work, but when it comes to his injuries, that can really bring down that number. Kind of like I said, that's part of the evaluation process and how they get those figures, you know, how they put them all together. And then on the end of it, the one that's making the most out of all these deals is Tanner Rorick. He's getting $10 million dollars. Uh, through this uh, file and trial process that the Reds have. The one thing that kind of struck, there's two things actually that stuck out to me with these. Number one, coming into the offseason, and in fact back in July and you know August, even into early September whenever he was just absolutely hitting the cover off the ball and keeping his batting average way high, there were a lot of people that were just talking about Scooter Jeanette like he deserved this crazy long-term deal. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Scooter fan. I love watching him play, and he plays for my favorite team, so of course I'm going to root for him in just about every aspect of anything. He's an awesome dude. 
But when it came to locking up long term, I'm like, yo, we got this kid in AAA who, yeah, sure, whatever, he's on the DL right now, but Nick Senzel is about to come up and set the Major League Baseball world on fire, and we're we're just going to tell him, all right, no, well, third base, that's locked up. We got Suarez, you know, for a long time. And, uh, well, now we just also locked up second base, too, for a long time, so we're going to limit you to only a couple of other spots that you could possibly play. That doesn't seem like good business. And then, you know, at the beginning of the year, beginning of the offseason, a lot of people were thinking, okay, here it comes. Is the extension coming? In fact, leading into the offseason, Scooter Jeanette was, uh, you know, making statements and in interviews, which, I mean, you know, he should do. He, he grew up in the area, so he's a big Reds fan. He always wanted to play for the Reds. So, you know, I mean, if I were in his shoes, I would have said the exact same thing, that I want to play here my entire – I'd love to get a long-term deal done. And, you know, that's what he said. But – from a business aspect, because as much as we hate to admit it, baseball is a business, the Reds just couldn't do that. They could not extend him to a long-term deal. And, you know, it's something that um, I saw on the good old Twitter, um, Reds, you know, today in Reds Facebook, I gave him a shout-out on Friday. Hey, get a shout-out on Monday, too. But um, they they showed they uh, shared a comment on one of the Reds posts that a fan had commented and said that Scooter Jeanette deserves a deal like Joey Votto. What? Are you kidding me? Not not a chance, man. Not not a chance. I'm telling you, Scooter. He's fun to watch. He's great. He's had a couple of good years. Last year was a really good year. There's not a chance I give him anywhere close to what Joey Votto is making because Joey Votto is making an astronomical number, and he deserves it because he's an astronomical player. Scooter Jeanette is not an astronomical player, and in fact, the guy coming up behind him could be an astronomical player. So you can't just tie up that money. So anyway, that's a little bit of a rant there on Scooter. I'm sure some of you have other opinions on that, and hey, I'd love to hear them. But then my second line of thought with all of these, um, you know, with these seven deals that the Reds have made to avoid arbitration with these players is Yasiel Puig. Now his teammate, Alex Wood, he comes in here and he says, you know, I'll go to arbitration. That's okay. We'll do this whole process. But Yasiel Puig is just, I, 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 I watch the different things that he's putting out on social media and I see all these, like the messages that he is giving. And this is just another message to me that he is excited to be a Cincinnati Red. Now take that for what it's worth. I mean, some of you guys are going to have doubts about him until he just starts hitting homers out of Great American Ballpark like there's no tomorrow. But and, and there's nothing he can do about that. But I really think that he is ready to just be a guy for this team. He's ready to take up the mantle of the Cincinnati Reds. And as dramatic as that sounds, I know that's a little crazy. We're not talking like the Patriot or saving private Ryan here. We're talking about baseball, but when it comes to Yasiel Puig and what this deal means for the Reds is that, you know, he is ready to get to work for them. You know, he took this trade in stride. He's wearing his Reds hat out in public. And I know there's some, unwritten rule that you're not supposed to wear your team stuff out in public but man I love everything that he's been doing ever since this trade he is just telling everybody he is ready to be a red he's ready to you know put this team 
on his back. He doesn't really have to. There's a couple other guys that I think are better than him on the team. But, you know, he's ready to be a part of a winning team in Cincinnati. And as a fan, that just has me just really excited. Like, you know, maybe I'm taking it a little bit too far in my imagination, but whatever. It's January, man. I got nothing negative going on here. He's part of one of the most positive trades in the history of the Reds. And he's, you know, saying that he's ready for baseball to start right now. We just got nine inches of snow on the ground up here where I live around the Dayton Mall area. And I cannot wait to get to the ballpark. Just just can't. But when I look at these arbitration deals, that's kind of what I get out of it. You know, if you guys got something else, don't hesitate to hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Jeff Carr, J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R. And I know that's not near the big news that we're all waiting for. We're waiting to hear that the Reds have signed Dallas Keuchel or, you know, brought in that ace that's going to lead this team into the playoffs next year. But it's still pretty decent news to me that they avoided arbitration with all these guys and that, you know, even through arbitration with Alex Wood, it's not going to be that bad a deal. But anyway, that's Monday for here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Tune in tomorrow for more Reds talk here. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks again for downloading and listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.